0: Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Um, today, we're finishing our series on the heart of Christ, the affections, emotions, and desires of Jesus and we've been looking at the heart of Jesus and I told our volunteers this morning that it I just felt drawn to Christ's heart as we see his capacity for love and compassion for us. I mean, I I feel like my heart is so I don't know, like malnourished or something and like dark and when I see the heart of Jesus, you know, his heart is so alive to sinners and sufferers and I'm drawn to that and it gives my heart, like new life, just to examine what his heart is like. And today, as we end the series, we're going to be looking at Pentecost, which is when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus died on the cross, that's the crucifixion. He was put in the tomb. He, he was raised from the dead, that's the resurrection. And then last week, Cody talked about the ascension to the right hand of God, when Jesus ascended to the heavenly realm and was seated at the right hand of God and, uh, and sat down on the throne as king, but he went to that throne in order to send the Holy Spirit down to empower his disciples to be his witnesses, and that is what we looked at earlier when, when uh, Ellie read Acts chapter 2. Today, in today's passage, we're going before all those events, even before the crucifixion, where Jesus is saying, this will happen. When I leave, I will send the Spirit. It's the night that Jesus was betrayed. It's called the farewell discourse at the Last Supper. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm about to go. He's alluding to, I'm about to go to the cross, and then I'll rise from the dead. I'm about to go to the Father and ascend to heaven. And when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to empower you. But when Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to go, it, of course, makes them sad. It makes them sorrowful. So with that in mind, we're going to read our passage for today, Our passage for today is John 16, 1 through 15. If you have a Bible, feel free to open it. Um, now we're jumping into the, to a, the middle of a long dialogue, but the verses we're looking at are going to be really encouraging for us. John 16, 1 through 15 says, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember. I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asks, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Did you catch that? It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come, and he will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. The Word of God. I want to tell you about a time that my heart really hurt as a father. A few years ago, I was involved in a pastor's cohort where I would go to Jacksonville. I'd drive to Jacksonville once a quarter uh, with Pastor Winston Miller, and we'd go and meet with other pastors from around the southeast and spend three days together just reflecting and training and kind of praying for one another and building relationships, and it was such a refreshing time. And I had gone up once before, and my children did not like it when I left, and so I kind of put that in the back of my mind. And as it was getting time for me to go again, you know, three months later, I tried to warn them, I'm leaving again soon. Uh, I'm going to be gone just for three days. And in our house, we say two sleeps. That's two nights. I'll be gone two sleeps. And when I told them that, I could see that they were getting anxious about me being gone. They don't like it when I'm gone. They like it when I'm there and when I'm with them. And as the day arrived for me to go and I was going to leave and pick up Winston, uh, I could tell that the anxiety was growing in the house. And the moment came where I had to leave, and that anxiety turned to, like, fretful sorrow. Three little girls crying and screaming, Don't go, Daddy. Don't go. Now, there's a difference if your child throws a temper tantrum in the grocery store, and you're like, I don't care if you want the Snickers, get up off the floor, we're going home. But this was different. What do you do when you have three little beautiful girls, all, you know, tears filled their eyes, going, Daddy, please don't go. Grabbing onto your arm, saying, Daddy, please don't go, don't go. I looked at Virginia, I was like, I don't think I can go, I think I have to call Winston tell him he's got to drive himself, because I can't leave. And she's like, no, no, this will be good for you. It'll be really good for you, John, to get away. Go ahead and go. And I'm like, I don't know how to get out the door. They're not letting me out the door. They're frantic. And she's like, I'll distract them for a little bit. You just go. This will be good for you to go. And so I said, okay, okay. So she's like, just go get in the car. Don't look back. And just drive away. I was like, okay. So I did. I just walked out to the car and I started the car and, um, and I, I made the mistake of looking back and, like, looking back, like, through the window where these little girls' faces pressed up against the window, you know, with, like, single tears coming down their eye. I'm like, oh, this is, okay, I just got to go. I just got to go. And, and, and I left because it was good for me to go. But in that moment, I couldn't really see how it was good for them. It was good for me to go, but it wasn't necessarily good for them that I go. They needed me. They need my presence. They need my words. They need my care. They need my strength in the house. They they need my kisses. They need my hugs. They need me. So while it was good for me to go, I don't think it was good for them that I had to go. And I still don't like to travel. I don't like to be away from them because it's good for them when I'm around. Now, I I called about 10 minutes later and I said, Virginia, I I can't do this. i got to come home. And she's like, John, I put on a TV show for them. They already forgot you left. It's fine. Just go. (laughs) So, you know, while it was good for me to go, it was hard for me to see how it was good for them that I go. Now, in this story in John 16, Jesus says something interesting. He doesn't say it's good for him if he goes. He says it's good for the disciples if he goes. Disciples, it's good for you. It's beneficial for you. It's expedient for you if I go. In fact, in verse 7, he says, it's for your benefit that I go away. We're like, well, wait a minute, Jesus. We're studying your heart over the past six weeks. Is is your heart a little bit, cold here? I mean, is it is a little bit um, out of touch with how the disciples are feeling right now in the midst of their sorrow? How can you say it's beneficial that you go and you leave these disciples? You're the one that's taught them. You're the one that's shown them the way. You're the one that's loved them and cared for them. You're the one that's taught them about God's kingdom. You are God on earth. How can it be good for you to go and leave them? Well, Jesus says it. He goes on in verse 7. He says, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away because, because, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Now, that word counselor in the Greek, it it is the word parakletos. It, It means... The counselor. It means the helper. It means the comforter. And when Jesus uses it, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The second person of the Trinity is saying that he is about to ascend to heaven so that he can send the third person of the Trinity to empower the disciples. God the Son is going to ascend to heaven so that he can send God the Spirit to be with the disciples. It is good for Jesus to go because Jesus will send the Holy Spirit. If Jesus doesn't go, the Holy Spirit doesn't come. Now, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we read about something called the Old Covenant. It was the way that God related to man. And in that Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit would still come and empower people for specific tasks but the Holy Spirit would not stay permanently with someone. In fact, someone still had to go through the ritual cleansings in order to be cleansed, to get near the temple where God dwelt. But in the new covenant, in the covenant that Jesus has come to institute between God and man, the Holy Spirit is given permanently and without limit. And one does not need to go near the temple, cleansing themselves along the way to get near to God because the Holy Spirit of God comes to permanently live in them. So Jesus says, I must go. I must go to the cross and die for your sins. I must be in the tomb for three days. I must resurrect from the dead. And I must go to the throne at the right hand of God because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit to be with me. How is that good, though? How is it good for the Holy Spirit to come? Well, Jesus came as the one who was fully God and fully man. And when he came to earth, he limited his godness. While he was fully God, 100%, uh, he limited his godness so that he was at one place at one time, just like you or I. Which means he did ministry at one place at one time, just like you or I could. Or he talked with one person at one time. But when he ascends to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit to represent him spiritually. And the Holy Spirit can be anywhere at any time. He can work in the hearts of people. He can be here in Asia and, or here in the United States as well as in Asia. He, he, he's not limited by time and space. And so what that means is the Holy Spirit has come to be present with us in this church in Hollywood, Florida, and he will be present with believers who are in the Pacific Islands later today as they gather to worship. And he's already been present with believers who are worshiping right now in New York City and South America, and he is the presence of Christ. Christ. Paul writes over and over and calls him the Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit of Jesus, or the Spirit of God's Son. That is to say, he is his own person. It's not an it, it's a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. But he is intimately connected to the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus goes, he sends the Spirit, meaning that Jesus is now present with every one of his followers all the time we hope you're inspired by God's word what have you learned so far as you listen pray about applying it to your life let's continue in God's word Jesus goes on in verse 8 to say that he will convict the world That word convict means to show the world in error. And what Jesus says is not just that he's come to convict of theological concepts, but he's he's come to convict people around who Jesus is. In other words, the Spirit has come to point people to all that is in Christ through God. Verse 8, he says, when he comes, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now watch this, verse 9 and 10. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer. The Holy Spirit has come to do work. You can go back one slide. The Holy Spirit has come to do work around showing the world who Jesus is. It says that the Holy Spirit has come to convict about sin because they do not believe in me. What Jesus is getting at is that the greatest sin that can be committed, in fact, the only unforgivable sin, is not believing, not resting, not trusting in Jesus Christ. Every other sin can be forgiven in Christ when you come to relationship to him, except the one sin of not believing in him. Leon Morris says it this way, that the basic sin is the sin which puts self at the center of things and consequently refuses to believe. So Jesus has sent the Spirit in order to convict the world about sin in order that they might believe in who Jesus is. But he's also to come to convict about righteousness. Righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Now, when we were studying the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught about righteousness, right? And he lived righteousness. Um, but he is righteous, And the the irony is that Jesus' greatest act of righteousness, in a sense, the, the place where righteousness was most on display was the cross, where the one who was righteous bore the sins of those who were unrighteous, so that through him the unrighteous could become righteous. But now that righteous representative, Jesus, as Cody taught on last week, has ascended to heaven so that our righteousness is safe And secure before the Father. I heard one pastor say, "That's such good news because if Jesus is our righteousness and He's in heaven, we can't mess it up. We can't mess it up." The Holy Spirit has come to convict about sin and about righteousness, but also about judgment. About judgment. Verse eleven, because the ruler of this world has been judged. In other words. The devil has been judged by Jesus' work on the cross. And the Holy Spirit has come to show that though we were children of wrath, we were children of the devil through Jesus Christ, we get to take part in Jesus' victory over sin, over death, and over the devil through what he's done on the cross. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit has come, will come, to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But there's still, there's part of us. We say, well, well, Jesus, why don't you just stay, and why don't you tell everybody about that? You know, if you just stayed here, I mean, why couldn't you just show people who you are? Well, Jesus says, if I don't go, the Spirit doesn't come. And if the Spirit doesn't come, then there's no deep conviction." Because remember, Jesus is only in one place at one time. But when the Spirit comes, there is a worldwide release of God's truth through the preaching of the gospel. As we live out God's love, there is conviction all around the world about who God is and how he sent Jesus, about sin and righteousness and judgment. And that matters for you today. Here's why. Have you ever been talking to someone and trying to share about who you are in Christ and about your faith in Jesus, and you look at that person and you're like, that person thinks I'm crazy. They are are not listening to a word I say, or they are, and they think, I am crazy. And then what happens in your own heart is you're like, I am all alone in this. I am all alone in this conversation. But here's the truth. Because Jesus left and sent the Spirit, you're not alone. You're not alone in that conversation. You may be talking truth to someone about who Jesus is and what he's done, and it might feel like you're alone, but you're not really the one talking in that conversation. The Holy Spirit of God uses your words and gets in deeper than you can in that person's mind and heart to convict about sin and righteousness and judgment. You are not alone in those conversations. One of the benefits of the Spirit is when he comes, it's not just us trying to come up with the right words to say to someone to share about who Jesus is. Rather, we're relying on the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit to take our feeble words and use them to do what Jesus said the Spirit would do. You're not alone. It's not just you talking because he is the Spirit of truth. That's what Jesus says in verse 13. In verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Now, think about this. Jesus is saying these words, not first to us, but first to the disciples. That's who he's first talking to, and then we learn from that. So when he says the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. Jesus is giving them a promise that one day they will hear from the spirit and be able to write this, be able to write the holy scriptures, the the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the other letters that, that they wrote. In other words, Jesus is saying, if I don't go, the spirit doesn't come. And if the Spirit doesn't come, you will actually not know what I want you to do and what I want you to say and what I want you to write. What that means for us is that if Jesus doesn't go, the Spirit doesn't come. And if the Spirit doesn't come, we don't get this book. We don't get all these words where we learn about what Jesus did and said and, and taught from those feeble disciples who were feeble but were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to write down these stories. And, and then, now that's so important for us because in our Christian culture, in our, in our churches, we, we seem to have two types of Christians. We seem to have Christians that say, well, we, we don't really need this. We just rely on the Holy Spirit. And then we have other people that say, I don't need any sort of emotion or I don't need anything. It's all, it's all right here. And yet what Jesus is saying is, this is the words of the Spirit. This is the words of God that he has given to us so that we might know the heart of Christ. We might know the heart of God. And yet, it's not just about just reading it and studying it and knowing it. The Spirit brings it to life in our lives through his presence with us. So it's not about the Spirit people and the Word people. The Spirit wrote the Word. And we're able to follow the Word by the power of the Spirit. Jesus doesn't come, we don't get the Spirit. And if we don't get the Spirit, we don't know what to do with this. The Spirit of truth has come, and he's come not to glorify himself, but to glorify Jesus. In verse 14, he says, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, because he will take from what is mine and declare it, That is to say, the Holy Spirit will guide the disciples into truth about Jesus. Just as Jesus perfectly represented the Father, the Holy Spirit perfectly represents Jesus and is absolutely true to Jesus and is absolutely true to the Father. The Holy Spirit is not here to get you to look to him. He's here to point you to who Jesus Christ was and is. Here's what that means. When Jesus goes away, when Jesus ascends to heaven, we actually don't get less of Jesus. We get more of him. We get more of him. We have access by the Spirit 24-7 to who Jesus is. We, We have the Spirit of Christ living in us. When we are lonely at night and feel like we do not belong, the Spirit of Christ is with us. When the job goes bad and we get fired and we go, how does God not see what's happening? We have the spirit of Christ living in us. When people make fun of us because of our faith, we have the spirit of Christ in us. We are not alone. If you know Jesus Christ, you have the spirit of Christ living in you 24-7. And Therefore, if Jesus goes away, it is good for us because in his going, he is present with you all the time through the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with that? Paul writes it this way. These simple words from, uh, from his letters. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Spirit comes once at Pentecost. He's poured out once at Pentecost. But Paul alludes that we can be continually filled with the Spirit. Every day we wake up and we're weak. Uh, We've sinned in ways that we wish we hadn't, and you get out of bed. One of my friends says, sometimes you get out of bed and you just want to smack somebody, right? Because you're ornery and you're mean. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. So every morning we can wake up out of bed, we can get up out of bed and go, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you sent the Holy Spirit. I need him again today. I am weak, I struggle to believe, and I am sinful, but I have the Holy Spirit of God living in me. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcasts. For more information, check us out at www.newcthh.com. We'll see you next week.